This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, back here with you today after... An interesting visit with the Best Talk listeners in San Jose yesterday. As you know, I was not here on the radio show. I had an opportunity to sit down with a you know group of investors, a group of people that are Invest Talk listeners, in, ver- in separate sessions, uh, and I conduct these individualized portfolio reviews every month. As you know, now these folks were pretty serious about improving their performance and the security of their portfolios, and my job is to take a look at their current allocations and help them make the appropriate adjustments. And of course, I shared with them my experience at developing successful investor strategies, you know, as it applies to each person's particular portfolio. I stress that to your needs, not to what I want you to do. I, I can, I, that, in these individual sessions, I ask questions. I try to figure out where you want to go and how you want to get there. Then I use that information to help you. Now, if you live anywhere in Northern California and you're unable to meet with me yesterday, you know, you, all you do is stay tuned to Invest Talk. I will be planning another trip to San Jose pretty soon. I usually go there every month or so. So don't don't worry. We we'll still can set it up. Okay, that's a quick report on my activities yesterday. But for today, there's a lot of financial investing news we can focus on, and I will do my best to make this Invest Talk Hour a viable learning experience for you. But I'm going to encourage your participation. You know you make the show. Please feel free to call with your investment and financial questions on our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Now, my top of the show story today should be something that offers needed advice to almost every listener. Three seemingly smart financial moves that could come back to hurt you. Oh yes, you've got to be careful with everybody. And I'm going to get to that story here in just a minute or two. But first, we'd like to do a, uh, maybe an early in the program. As early, I always want to take the calls right away if I can. So you can call right now. Here's a call that came in on our Anytime List line, 888-99-CHART. I have been told that when a company is reporting their earnings, and I'm not a long-term trader, I'm you know in and out, that you should sell your stock before the earnings report comes out. I don't understand the reasoning of that, and I just want to know if that is correct in your eyes. Thank you. Well, what they're referring to is before the earnings reports come out, and they come out every quarter, as everybody knows, earnings season, we call it, uh, and before they come out, you, you know, what, what, what they call is the buy the rumor and sell the news. Uh, the rumor of whatever their earnings report is going to be is is already reflected in the stock. Okay, so that rumor is, let's say, the earnings are going to be very good. The price will go up prior to their actual report. Buy the buy the rumor, sell the news. When the actual report comes, no one wants to be in the stock anymore because they already bid it up for the news. They're now looking for the next news. That's why that's why everybody is fooled that when the reports come out, they think that, oh, it's a good report. Shouldn't the stock go up? Not necessarily. It has to be better than was expected. 
and the outlook, future outlook has to be better than expected for it to go up. If it comes in as expected and the expectation was very good, it won't move the stock. It won't move the price of the stock up. It won't. Buy the rumor, sell the news is what that's referring to. Okay? I think we can all agree that no matter where you are in the terms of executing your objective of reaching financial freedom, we should be all aware of any decisions that might cause financial harm. There are specific money moves that can seem wise at the time, but in reality, might be a bad idea. And by the way, I found this article on uh, usatoday.com. The following money decisions sound right, but they may do more damage than you than good. Number one is buying a home. I, I'm fully on board with people buying in, in, their own home. But most people, at, most people don't understand the actual costs. Yes, you get a tax break. I understand. We all know that. You know, less so in California than in other states. And, uh, you know, and maybe on the coast, you don't get, with a new tax law, you don't get as much break as you're used to. But is it a good investment buying a home? That's really the question. Remember, you got to put a, a chunk of money down, depending on how expensive the place is. When you buy a home to live in, it's really more of a kind of a hybrid investment, kind of an expense and investment uh, with, with, with emphasis on expense. Now, if you go unprepared, like many buyers do, you know, into buying a house, you're going to be way over your head, cost-wise, and you're going to feel tremendous pressure. An example: If you stretch, if you stretch, um, if you stretch your budget to an uncomfortable degree, and going without much in the way of some cushion money, backup savings, you're likely to encounter maintenance costs that you're not prepared for. You're not. Many people don't don't uh, figure in the cost of property tax or association dues. They, you know, these things can go up. You think you'd locked in a 30-year fixed mortgage and the price, uh, your association dues go up the very next year. You've got to be prepared for all these. Another, attempting to time the stock market. You can't do it. I keep stressing. You can't time the stock market. Can you understand where you are in the economic cycle and be defensive or be aggressive the stock more so than normal? Yeah. But you can't time it. You can't in and out, in and out. And that's not going to work. It's never worked. People tried it many times. And the worst thing that can happen is you do it once and it works. And you think you're a genius. And you think now you can do it. Third, keeping all your money in cash. Because it's safe. Very, very bad decision. Cash, of course, is king at certain times. So we all agree. I don't disagree with that. But... That money should be invested in something. You need to have it growing. You can't just want to sit on the cash. It's never a good idea. Remember, inflation eats away 3% every year at your cash. That's the long-term average, I think, in the U.S. is 3.3% inflation rate. And we're at, you know, we're, we're below that. It have been for some time, but we've also been above that. You have to stay ahead of inflation. Cash is not necessarily safe if it's not growing. So sometimes we do things the best of intention, but they backfire. You know you've done that. I've done it. Everybody's done that. 
So before you buy a home, attempt to stock time the stock market, dump all your savings in the savings account. Think about whether those moves really work. Is it the best use of your money? And tweak them accordingly so that you don't end up getting down the road. Okay? And if you decide you need help tweaking your investment strategy, Justin and I are ready to work with you. We'll help you. But if you've got to let us know when you think you might be ready for a professional financial advisor, call our Dana Point office at KPP Financial. We'll get you a consultation. I promise. I do. The Best Off phone lines are now open, so please call 888-99-CHART. This is Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and heading into the break, I want to remind you that Best Talk is heard live each weekday at 4 Pacific Time on the radio, and also live on our internet streaming through investtalk.com. So please tell your friends and family members to tune in. I would appreciate it. And now the lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. Summer is fading fast, Steve's back, and the Labor Day holiday will soon be here. Question Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? Please do. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Steve's ready for your questions. 888 99Chart. Today's featured talking point, everybody, why the best time to buy a new car is in the fall. Now, many of us older people know that, but not everybody. Buyers can get really massive discounts in the fall when they replace when they replace their old cars by, uh, you know, new models. You know, when the dealers just replace the old, the last year's model with the new year's model. I'm going to take a look at it a little bit deeper today. Some of the other topics I have on schedule for today. So I talked about the slowing housing market. We had another economic number out about the housing today, and I want to discuss it. Optimism about the economy is so high, it suggests a recession is imminent. Analysts warn. Are we going to have, I, you know I've been telling you, and I've been saying until I'm blue in the face that I do think we're going to be in a recession late next year or early the year after. Well, this one is saying it's sooner than that, and I'm going to share with why. Consumers keep on spending in July, pushing key inflation gauge to a six-year high. So are we, are, is inflation getting out of control? I don't think so, but we're going to talk about that too. Those are things I'm going to talk about. But, of course, you come first. What is it that you guys want to talk about? What happened to the market today? It was down. It's been up, what, four days in a row, and then the fifth day here is down. 138 points on the Dow, 21 points on the NASDAQ, and 13 points on the S&P. Nothing major. And I told you, I think we're going to be moving into September and October, at least at the beginning of October. I think we're going to see some volatility. See some high volatility. You know, and I also have written in the newsletter and told you in person that the most violent days, the violent days of the year come in September and October. The worst month of the year historically is September. 
The worst day that ever happened was October 19, 1987, when the Dow went down 508 points. And just so you know, that's 20%. What would, what, do you realize what 20% represents on the Dow now? <laughs> yeah, six, 7,000 points. One day. One day. But I'm also going to point out, I, and you know how fear grips everybody. That obviously was a lot of fear back then. But I want to point out the very next day was the absolute best day to buy the stock market. The very next day after the big crash. How many, th how many people do you think were willing to do that? How about nobody? But it was. It was. Okay, let's go to a voicemail. Let's get to another caller who took the time to ask a question on our listen line, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. Love the show. Just a quick question. I was wondering what you think of the stock Trex, T-R-E-X. Been watching it for a while, and I saw it do a split. And now it seems to be going up again in that. It seems to be the monopoly of its sector and has pretty good numbers. What's your opinions of the stock, and do you think it'll go higher? Thanks. Listen to the podcast to hear your answers. Okay, let's look at that. Uh, Trex Company, Inc., T-R-E-X. T-R-E-X. It's in the building construction products sector. Manufactures wood, alter alternative decking, railing, fencing, Products. So this is the the fake wood product that you know is re, re, that doesn't rot, doesn't is not susceptible to bugs or mold or any of that kind of thing. Okay, uh, they're going to make the estimate is to make two dollars and twenty nine cents this year. That's up forty five percent from last year, and then another thirteen percent increase next year is the estimate for two dollars and fifty eight cents. Sales are, you know, have been ranging between 18 and 32 percent in the last four quarters. Most recent quarter, 31 percent sales growth. Uh, return on equity is very high, 51 percent. They're at 84 dollars stock, going to make two dollars and 58 cents. Okay, so what does that tell you? That's a 32 PE. 32 PE. The range is 16 to 43, so it's right in the mid to upper range, into the range. Very good company, making lots of money. It's going to be very cyclical, so an economic economic slump, it will slump. Uh, I wouldn't trace it here. At this, point. this is the best talk. 888-99 chart. If you are the type of investor who has been managing your portfolio for a period of time, maybe five years, maybe 10 years or more, you might be happy with your progress. But if sometimes in the back of your mind, you wonder whether the personalized guidance of an experienced investment advisor could improve your performance, take a minute to reach out to Steve or Justin. You can get a message through to them at investtalk.com or you can call their Dana Point, California office at KPP Financial. And now, we're taking your financial and investment questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to Keith in San Diego. How are you doing, Keith? Hello, Steve. Doing fine. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, as I recall from previous uh, uh, listening to your podcast, you guys owned Michael's companies. 
and uh, yeah, we do. Pretty big hit today. <laughs> yeah. so yes, it did. If you think this is a good buying point, or what do you think about that? Well, I don't think I'd buy it today, or I would wait a few days to see how it reacts. It's probably, um, I think the sell-off was kind of unjustified. What happened was uh, the stock was basing and slowly coming up from a, from a several months of basing, and then, then you had the news out today. Uh, and what happened was it fell about 17% today, everybody. Net sales slipped 1.8%. Their sales slipped 1.8%. Came in at 1.05 billion instead of 1.06 billion they expected. Okay, and so that hurt the bottom line. That was unexpected. Same sort of sales are supposed to be flat for this quarter, and they actually fell four tenths of one percent. So the investors did not like that. Now they did not like that at all. Uh, I would wait, Keith. Um, uh, to see if it starts to recover because you just never know one day doesn't really tell you the whole story wait like three or four days uh, it's a very fairly inexpensive stock it's not it's very inexpensive it's going to make even though even after today they're still going to make two dollars and forty cents next year and it's a seventeen dollar stock so that means the pe is eight and the five-year range is eight to twenty one you know, unless they worse things, I just think that we probably have had the worst out. And it's probably a pretty good, decent price. But I still want you to wait just to make sure. Because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was disastrous. It's just, yeah, the fundamentals still are very solid, except they need to start. I thought they would finally bottom out, which is looking like that they were. Because we knew that the sales were flattening, but they were a little weaker than they thought for this most recent quarter. Uh, they're making some major changes in the stores and things I think are positive for the future. So I would rather, I, I tend to be a buyer than a seller at this point. That would be my gut reaction. Okay, Mike? Uh, Keith? All right. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate the call. That was M-I-K, Michael's Companies. Michael's. You know who Michael's is, I'm sure. 888-99-CHART, the best time to buy a car is now in the fall. Okay, in the fall. Uh, it's the best time. Why? Because the new models come out for the next year and they got to make room and they want to sell out the old models. Now, this year won't be as good as it was last year. Why? By the way, you also have good deals in December that, that come that on these same cards. So they got to really get them out by then. But you're going to have a lot less choices to buy, you know, they only have a handful of old models left. But the reason why that you're not going to have as good deals this year as last year is last year they had a ton of inventory that they had to really move. This year, they've managed inventory much better, so they don't have the inventory they had. But you still can get some very good discounts. What you might have trouble with is getting the car exactly the one you want. Okay, so. That's the problem you're going to have. But you still can get really good deals on 2018 model cars in, in the fall here, starting in September, usually is when the new models come out for the 2019 and next year. This is true every year. It's pretty consistent. So just go in there with a sharp pencil and negotiate the best you can. Okay?
Are we going to Turek in Boston about Amazon? Let's go to Turek. Hello? Hi, uh, hi Steve. Hi, how, Turek, you doing? how you doing? Good. Uh, first of all, I love the show. My wife and I have been listening to it for about a year, and my wife doesn't even work in finance, and she converted to your show immediately. That's how much we love it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, anyway, going to Amazon, uh, it's part of my long-term portfolio, and uh, usually I just do what you guys advise to do for retail investors. I simply dollar cost average in. You know, I got the usual suspect in there, yeah. Morgan Stanley, etc. But obviously adding Amazon, uh-huh. you know, $2,000 now, you want to put considerably more thought into adding to that position versus others. So I was wondering what your opinion was All on right. it. Well, you're not going to sell it, that's for sure. Uh, Amazon, oh, yeah. MZN oh, yeah. yeah. is done. Uh, sorry, just to jump in, I'm holding it. My plan to hold this portfolio is 20 years, so I have a very long-term uh, timeline. Yeah. The only thing only thing you would worry about, Tarek, is if it gets too big of your portfolio because it's going up so much, you might want to put a followed up with a stop to cut back but not get out of. Cut back. But all of it gets to about 10% of your portfolio. You know, you shouldn't have too much of any one stock. And I know a lot of people love the FANG stocks, you know, but you still don't want to get too much of any one stock because those FANG stocks in the next recession will crash much harder than the overall market. But then there'll be a great buy when they do. Yeah. So, so no, uh, I would just hold on to it. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think it's a long-term core holding. Don't even worry about it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate the call. Our phone, our number is 888-99-CHART. I'm Steve Peasley. Give me a call. We thank you for subscribing to our podcast. You can join our Invest Talk insiders and gain access to our library of webinars, like Seeing the Cycles, How to Recognize and Harness the Power of Market Cycles. Hidden in the continuous stream of numbers are cyclical occurrences, which help us anticipate both opportunity and risk. It's a free benefit for our InvestTalk listeners. Just click on the InvestTalk tab on InvestTalk.com. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk is streamed live and broadcast live each weekday in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific Time, 6 Central and 7 Eastern. It's also available 24-7 via archived podcast at investtalk.com. Would you like to speak with Steve right now? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Tariq calling from Boston. I had a question about uh, booking holdings, uh, ticker symbol BKNG. I'm considering adding this to my long-term portfolio. Uh, the stock is fairly expensive, as you know, around $2,000. So I wanted to know if you think it's a long-term buy and hold. And by that, I mean 20 years or more. That's the first question. Second question I had, when it comes to a dollar cost averaging into your long-term portfolio, do you start from the top down or from the bottom up in terms of just a retail investor like myself? So for example, the strongest performing stock I have is Square, which is around a 55% uh, gain. And the one that's not doing too well is uh, AMAT, a ticker symbol, uh, sorry, a company. I mean, Applied Sciences, ticker symbol AMAT, A-M-A-T, loss of around 20%. So would you start from the bottom, just add more shares to that and then move up or start from the top and add more shares and move down? I'll wait for your reply on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. 
Okay, the 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 approach called dollar cost averaging is not designed for individual stocks. It's not. It's designed for indexes, mutual funds, or ETFs. So it's not really, you don't dollar cost average into individual stocks. It's not a good method to do that. Um, what you do is you buy a position of individual stocks. You could buy a half a position or a full position. And you have to decide, well, what is a position? Well, the, historically, a normal position of a particular stock in a portfolio is 3 to 5%. So if you already bought Square at 3% or it's now 4 or 5% of your portfolio, you would not add to Square. But if you bought half a position to a stock that fell and you still want to own it, you would then fill it up to your full position. But you wouldn't dollar cost average. Remember, what is dollar cost average? You buy the same amount of shares with the you buy the same use the same amount of dollars, amount of dollars, a thousand dollars, two thousand, whatever it is, and buy every period, two weeks, four weeks, whatever period you set up. Usually it's through your pay period. Usually through it's your four hundred one k, and you buy the index or mutual fund. And you just keep buying it forever and never stop. And you like it to go down in price when you're trying to accumulate positions of the mutual fund or index fund. But you don't use dollar cost averaging generally to buy stocks. You don't use it. It doesn't work very well. It, 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 now, don't misunderstand me. You can add to your position, but it's not a dollar cost averaging because that means that that term means the same amount of money every period, every two weeks or four weeks. It's the same amount of money into the position, and you're not going to do that with a stock or a few stocks. You can do it with mutual funds or indexes. Appreciate the call. Good question. Thank you. Okay. You know, I've mentioned this before. I've written about it in our newsletters about for the last couple of months. And I'm talking about the slowing housing market. Why am I talking about putting so much emphasis on the housing market? Is because it affects so many areas of our lives. The house is most people's most uh, the, the most people's uh, largest investment. Their home, so it affects their wealth. Their and that affects their, the value of the house. It reflects their uh, perception of their financial health. Okay, and that perception, if you're feeling good, you go spend and it helps the economy. If you feel like you're losing money and lost money in your house, you tend to get a little less excited. Now, don't misunderstand me by thinking I'm thinking the housing market's going down. No, it's not going down. What's happening is the rate of appreciation is slowing. And it's slowing in two-thirds of the country, the largest housing markets around the country. Two-thirds of those housing markets are the rate of appreciation is going down, meaning that we're, that house pr prices are, are slowing down, and that means that's the first step of a, of a housing market that may stop rising. Existing home sales fell to a two-and-a-half-year low in July, just reported. Okay, Year-over-year -year house prices are up 8%. But that was more than that last month. It was 9%. See, so it's the rate that what I'm talking about. And so it's nothing really to get too worried about. But if you're, you know, if you're investing money and you're a student of the economy and how the economy reflects in the price of stocks, you want to know 
You want to see where the cracks are in the economy, where they might develop. You want to know about that. You want to know how, you want to know how they develop. And I'm pointing out that the housing market is one of the most significant sectors in our perception of wealth for the average consumer. And we're still fine. Everything's good. But we're seeing definite signs of the housing market cracking a little bit. Now, tomorrow on Vestock, U.S., Canada, NAFTA uh, talks will resume. With a newly signed Mexico trade agreement, Trump is pushing Canada to reduce its tariffs on dairy products. The story is tomorrow. You'll, you'll, and I do think that's going to happen. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. So, uh, where are I? I'm a smart investor. Um, okay. Uh, above average investing, understanding the importance of diversification, everybody. These are talking points. Uh, how important is diversification? Every investor has been a reg who has been a regular Invest Talk listener has been taught to restrain their emotions, right? I've been, we've been stressing that. Use and make common sense investing decisions. Don't try to shoot for a home run every time or grants. That's not going to work. They know not to let the temptation of low interest rates push them into a riskier asset. They know not to try to time the market. They know that it this is pro, that my program, this program, Best Talk for years, is committed to give make help you make reasoned and common sense decisions to help guide you through those. You can become a better investor. You can. It's not that. It's pretty simple as long as you use your common sense. Now, the phone lines are open, and the program is always made better with your questions. So please call 888-99-CHART. He's back. Steve Peasley has returned from a round of personalized portfolio review meetings in San Jose. So to all the investors who made time to sit down with Steve, thank you. And if you couldn't get an appointment with Steve in San Jose yesterday, and if you are serious about improving the efficiency, security, and performance of your portfolio, you are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office. And of course, you can easily get a message through to them at investtalk.com. Investtalk Radio continues now. The phone lines are open. Steve's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Patrick from North Carolina. Love the show. I had a quick question about Newell Brands, ticker NWL. Bought the position about a half a year ago at $27.00. The idea is to hold on to it for a couple of years as a value play. The last couple of days after they released some declining sales, stock's been pummeled pretty badly. Wanted to get your thoughts. My permission is to hang on to it, but uh, I'd love a second opinion. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, this Newell Brands manufactures household hardware, cookware, and office goods um, to um, uh, volume retailers and wholesalers and distributors. So Newell Brands. Um, my biggest problem with them is that their, their products are easily copied. I, I'm sure Justin has talked about it. I haven't mentioned it very much, but they don't have much of a, a moat, M-O-A-T, a moat around their business, meaning that someone else can copy their stuff. 
and sell it for cheaper. That's their biggest problem. It's still a big company, a $10 billion company. It's very healthy. It's not, there's not like it's not healthy. They're going to make $2.48 this year, which is 23% more than last year. That's the estimate. And then next year to $2.30, which is down 7%. Your biggest problem is, is sales have been falling for four or five quarters in a row. That is disturbing. This could be a value trap. And the stock has been falling for, you know, a year. Value trap. How is it a value trap? Well, the P.E. is very low. They're going to make $2.30. It's a $21 stock. So the P.E. is what? 10? And uh, the five-year average is 11 to 27. So you say, wow, that's really inexpensive. They pay a 4.2% dividend. Can they afford that? Heck yeah. 4% of $21 is what? You know, 80, 90 cents? And they make $2.30? Yeah, they can pay the dividend. See, it could be a value trap. My biggest problem is there's no moat. I don't particularly care for Newell and WL. I, I probably, you know, if it bounces from where it fell, and it did bounce a little bit in the last couple of weeks, I'm, I would look for a place to get out. Now, the next resistance is right around, right below about $23, dollars $22, $23. And if it gets up to that, I'd probably actually go look for something stronger. I just don't care for Newell Bland. Sorry. NWL is a symbol. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-427. Consumers keep spending money in July, pushing key inflation gaze to a six-year high. Okay. Consumer spending rose uh, sharply in July for the fifth month in a row. Okay. So spent, we like that. Consumer spending drives our economy. Our economy is 66% to consumer. It's consumer spending, great. Well, consumer spending, that's up four-tenths of percent in July from three-tenths of percent. In the, uh, and incomes rose three-tenths of percent. So we're talking about inflation. Remember, why am I worried about inflation? Because the Federal Reserve... Pushes up interest rates to slow inflation. So are we out of control? Now, the 12-month PCE index, which is the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge, rose to 2.3% from 2.2%. And that's the highest level since 2012. Now, that's the highest level since then. It's like saying interest rates are... That the, the interest rate is at a high at, at mortgage rate at 4.5%. It hasn't been that high since whatever. Well, that's because it's been so very low in recent years. That inflation rate of 2.3% is within the range that the Federal Reserve wants. They want it between 2 and 2.5%. Two and it's a 2.3 from 2.2 a month ago. Is And if you take out, if you take out, uh, the energy and, and, and food, which is you know very volatile month to month to month, the PCE number is 2% at the low end of their preferred range. But again, that's the highest it's been since 2012. That's because it's been zero for years and then slowly creeping up. That's what we're facing. Now, are we, should we worry about this? Should it be something that, you know, we got to, you know, the market, should the market worry about it? I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't think so. I think the Federal Reserve is has a has a second reason that they don't talk about, which is just as valid as their purported "we're worried about inflation, we got to uh, raise interest rates" reason. Okay, 
you got to raise interest rates because inflation is rising. But it's still within the range you asked for and you want. So why are you raising interest rates? The second reason that they don't talk about it is just to get them higher, what we call normalized rate of around 3% in the Fed funds rate. And remember, it's about two, two and a quarter right now. They want to get it to the 3% range so that the next recession, they can lower them and fight it. But as I said before, they may cause the next recession by the fact that they're raising rates. This is something you as an investor should keep an eye on. Because what the Federal Reserve does affects eventually the market. It's never exact science that the rate goes up today and the market falls tomorrow. That's not how it works. It's it, But it does... You go look at history. Every time in history when the Federal Reserve has raised rates, almost every time they've raised rates too high, cause a recession, or at least a primary cause of recession, and then they lower rates to try to get us out of the recession. I think they should be a bit more proactive this time, stop raising the rates now, and let's wait six months, nine months, and see what happens. Because they're not going to do that, by the way. Not going to happen. No one's going to listen to me. But, but I'm, I'm concerned that they'll just keep raising rates and keep raising rates and keep raising rates because they fear inflation. And I'm just, you know, I understand the fear, but it's not out of control. That, uh, and maybe they're worried that it will get out of control. I do not know. But I'm, as you can see, I'm pretty passionate about that. Sorry. Here's an investing term you should know. Something must change gears here. Hard stop. Hard stop. A hard stop is a price level that, if reached, will trigger an order to sell an underlying security. Sell your stock. Hard stops are set at a constant price and are inherently good until canceled, which differentiate them from trailing stops or other similar order types. Oftentimes, hard stops are used to protect a long-term investment after money has been taken off the table. Now, over at Investopedia.com, they host a dictionary, right? They, and I always refer to you to Investopedia.com because I like it. They have hundreds of terms there. They do. It's a great source. This is Vestalk, everybody. If you have questions, number is 888-99-CHART. Love to talk to you. This is Thursday. Thursday Investalk program, and we're almost finished with it. Ready for upload and archive to the podcast. But we still got about 10 minutes, so let's talk about financial investing questions that you might have. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, U.S.-Canada NAFTA talks resume. With a newly signed Mexico trade agreement, President Trump is pushing Canada to reduce its tariffs on dairy products. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, he's ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question about Chevron. I am currently a shareholder in my Roth IRA. I bought it as a long-term investment. Um, I was just looking at it, and it went up about 55% since I bought it, a lot more than I was expecting. But is this something I should maybe take some profits off the table, or should I just let it ride and collect a dividend? Thanks. Appreciate your feedback. 
Okay, I'm going to answer that question more general, but and it will apply to Chevron. Whenever you buy a position, you should in your portfolio you should have a number of positions, all about equal amount of purchase price, and it should all equal about three to five percent of your portfolio. You keep your buys consistent. Don't buy thirty thousand one stock and five thousand another. That makes no sense from managing a risk of a portfolio or managing a portfolio. Buy equal amounts now. When a position such as Chevron goes up 50% and it starts to dominate your portfolio, it goes from 3% of your portfolio to 6% of your portfolio to 10% of your portfolio, that's when you cut back. You don't get out. If Chevron should be a core holding. Okay, you're making 3.7% dividend on Chevron if you bought it today. You who bought it 50% less than this, your return on that yield is probably 5%, maybe higher, maybe 6% dividend yield. So you don't want to sell it. You only adjust. You you balance your portfolio out. You take a look at it once a year at your core holdings and decide, okay, I'm going to leave those alone. I like what I have and I'm fine. Or maybe I need to add to this core holding. Or maybe I need to take some profits off the table of this other core holding. You do that once a year. Remember, core holdings. Think about core holdings. Chevron should be a core holding. It's not a trading stock, even though you can do that if that's what you bought it for. But I would consider it a core holding, something you really want to hold on to because the dividend's so strong. You have you should have a number of core holdings in your portfolio, a number of them. I hope that makes sense to you. If it doesn't, you send me an email, and I'll try to be a bit more specific for you. Uh, uh, to about Chevron, okay? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Optimism about the economy is so high, it suggests a recession is imminent, an analyst warns. It's an article on MarketWatch that I looked at. Optimism. When everybody is so positive that things are doing so well and they will continue to do well in the future, the market's going to fall. The problem is, is, this guy says imminent. I'm not buying imminent. That, but he thinks it is. Why is that? Well, remember, if everybody is really positive about the market, then that tells you that all the money is in the market. They're positive. They must have invested it, invested all the money. So the market always needs new money. It's got to come from somewhere. Now, right now, it's coming from two spots. Overseas. And share buybacks. Corporations are making a ton of money. Optimism is at an 18-year high, according to the August, August, uh, August uh, report that came out, the consumer confidence number. 18-year high. A 18, remember, it's 2018. 18 years. Remember when that was? The dot-com era is not quite up to that point, but it's higher than it was prior to the 2008 economic slump. It's higher than it was in the 1989-90 uh, economic recession. It's higher than it was in the 1979 economic recession. It's higher than it was in the 1974 economic recession. Okay? It's just not as high as it was in 2000. But every time it was at this peak or higher, which is higher today, uh, economic Recession followed. Now, the trick is, how many months later? It's not 
weeks or months. This guy thinks it's going to be quick. I'm not buying that. He also pointed out the American Association of Individual Investors and how bullish they are, and that's also at a high, and that's a contrarian indicator, meaning when it's been this high in the past, usually there's a sell-off. What I think I see is some weakness in September, October, or at least a lot more volatility. But I still think by the end of the year, we're going to be higher. The market's going to be higher. The stock market's going to be higher. That's what I think. I think the recession's next year. Or late next year or early the year after. That's why I think we're going to see it. I'm Steve Peasley, and that completes another Investop program, everybody. Driven again by your questions. Remember, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so on demand from the podcast page on investtalk.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and please come back tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.